Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week we'll bring something new to the table, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. Yes, we want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. And Aaron, you're up this week. Mm -hmm. What are you bringing to the table today? I am bringing an article from the Forge's State of Abolition issue, which I mentioned in our last episode. Yes. Uh, The article is written by Maria Thomas. It's called Beyond Do No Harm, Health, Justice, and Abolition. And this piece was originally a workshop at the Applied Media Center Abolition Network Gathering, which we mentioned the last time we talked about the Forge's State of Abolition issue. Right. The workshop occurred two months before the Beyond Do No Harm Network released their 13 principles for providers um, to interrupt criminalization, which is why they're part of the organization called Interrupting Criminalization. (laughs) Uh, So this was used as a kind of soft launch to see how people would respond and to see who else they could recruit into the work. But the article lays out the purpose of Beyond Do No Harm, which is to remove aspects of the criminal punishment system from healthcare. Mm-hmm. And the article lays out the context for the principles, explaining that people want spaces like this network to connect and find solutions beyond the criminal punishment system and how the network can sustain the organizing that is already happening yes. around that movement. It's a really great piece, I thought, to learn more about how abolition connects with the healthcare system. Yeah. Especially when paired with the 13 principles, which was linked in the article. So yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I thought that was a I thought it was a great article, a great piece for sure. I felt like it was illuminating and insightful. And I think Maria Thomas did such a great job talking about and sharing as you talk about the work of the Beyond Do No Harm Network. But also I appreciated how she, you know, in this piece she shared her reflections mm. on how the movement for health justice is connected to abolition um, and the abolitionist movement. And so to me, this piece served as a great reminder about why it's so important that when we engage in the work of abolition that we also have to be thinking about all of the ways in which we can transform the systems that affect our lives, right? And so, you know, in the context of this piece and our conversation, the healthcare system is a big system that impacts all of us. And we all mm-hmm. touch the healthcare system in some way, shape, or form for ourselves, for our for our loved ones. And so this piece, I think, really made me appreciate and be grateful that the Beyond Do No Harm Network exists. It's it's a network that's made up of a really diverse group of healthcare workers and, and healthcare providers, public health professionals, and, and organizers and activists who are committed to putting a stop to the use of the healthcare system as a vehicle to, to criminalize people, um, especially more vulnerable communities who are often marginalized by the systems in our country that weren't designed to serve us in the first place, you know? So yeah, yeah this was, mm-hmm. I thought this was a really, really great piece. Yeah, definitely. I That was all great. And I think I um, appreciate you bringing up who's in the Beyond Do No Harm Network and yeah. how that's growing uh, based on the work that they're doing and bringing people on board to, to the 13 principles and, yes. and all that. Uh, I wanted to talk about some of the momentum that seems to be present with healthcare workers with this quote from the article. They said, 
We know that healthcare workers are hungry for analysis and strategies for resisting criminalization in the context of care, particularly as abortion care and trans healthcare are increasingly criminalized. Mm. Because in less than a year, and just through word of mouth, over 340 health practitioners and organizers have signed on to the principles through our website. 1,200 plus people have attended an event focused on the principles or joined our listserv, and more and more people within our network are forming pods, groups of people in relationship with each other, usually geographically proximate, committed to learning and taking action to interrupt criminalization together in their community or workplace. So I wanted to share that because this is so important yes. that people are gathering together to figure out how to circumvent the norms of involving the police and criminalization when people are seeking care. Yes. And being together in community helps people find ways out of what those norms typically are. Yeah. They're resisting what it is to find uh, they're resisting the ways that it usually is uh, to find new ways we can exist with one another that doesn't emphasize throwing people away. Absolutely. And I think that's huge for people to find ways to practice that together. Yeah, absolutely. And I love sort of the connection to this idea of, you know, and finding ways to resist involving criminalization. And you talked about early in that quote, this idea of abortion care and trans health. Those are sort of recent examples of how, you know, our criminal punishment system is, is criminalizing people. It's just based off of, you know, seeking reproductive health or basic health care for their bodies and their beings and their existence. And so, um, yeah, I, I loved that quote. I love reading about how all of these folks in this network, these healthcare professionals, these organiz these um, organizers have joined this listserv and, and attend these events, this conference, and that are engaged together to do this work. I think that's so cool. And it gives me hope, um, mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. It gives me hope. Um, I think connected to that great quote, and Maria says this in the, in the piece, um, is just how important it is to increase the number of healthcare workers and professionals who are committed to breaking the current ways that this criminalization is present in healthcare. Yeah. Um, and so I think that starts like with anything else, like that starts with education, right? It starts with how we educate healthcare providers and public health workers and, and social workers in this country that, you know, they're, as they enter their profession and hopefully they're now armed with the knowledge and can do the work while they're doing the work that they want to do. Um, I think just like with anything, it's important that healthcare workers have the awareness that they're a part of a larger community of folks um, that's committed to this work. Right? So they know that they're not alone in it because it's scary to sort of engage in that, to fight back against the system. Um, it, it can be difficult to interrupt the injustices in any system and especially in our healthcare system. Yeah. And I think that that's why um, people getting together is so crucial because mm -hmm. you find the systems of support uh, beyond the systems of harm or criminalization that are present uh, to be able to support one another and finding right. those other ways, as you said. Yeah. You can talk about what are you seeing? What am I seeing? How are you fighting back? What can I do? Like, you know, what is the law? What are, what, what can we yeah. do about it? Yeah. I think that, that, that support <clears throat> is so valuable. Yeah. yeah. And what are the things we're required to do? And what are the things that we do because somebody said that we're required to, but we're not required to do yes. navigating all of that stuff is crucial especially in community with with other providers absolutely so i wanted to also mention the history that the beyond do no harm network is grounded in so maria talked about 
how they look to the Black Panther Party and the Young Lords oh, yeah. to, quote, ensure free, accessible, and non-coercive medicine for the people, including by collaborating with the healthcare providers in the Health Revolutionary Unity Movement to commandeer mobile clinics and occupy hospitals. So I think this is another example of how much people in history that come before us yes. can influence and drive solutions to our current problems. These organizations... And the people leading them were not perfect, but they had ideas on what solutions could look like. Building on those ideas, I think, is such a great way to start. Yes, uh, in in how to how to look at some of these issues that we face. So, non coercive medicine that's focused on providing care that people need is so obvious <laughs> on one side of it, right? And there's so many ways that our healthcare system is not that, and yes. folks need a network like Beyond Do No Harm to find ways to make it that yes. non-coercive, need-based system that actually meets people, meets people's needs and, and meets their the care that they need uh, to be able to be healthy. Be healthy, be well. Yeah, so there's that piece that's also, you talked about, you know, commandeering mobile clinics, occupying hospitals, like also meeting people where they are and trying to support mm -hmm. people in, the, in their communities. Like this is work that, um, other activists and organizers have done. And so, yeah, I love, I, I love that Maria Thomas shared the history of this, yeah. this healthcare um, organiz organizing that the, the network is grounded in. We've talked about this on the pod before. It's important to recognize and honor and, and, and learn from that history when we're talking about this kind of work or any kind of organizing work, and especially in the context of abolitionist organizing. So we know that that context, that history is, is important. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate that. One of the other things I really um, enjoyed learning and, and hearing from in this piece was how back in May there was this conference that mm -hmm. a few hundred healthcare workers down in North Carolina came together and they strategized about how to reimagine and undermine the medical industrial complex, which I like, it makes sense that it's called that, but I read that and I kind of like hollered. I'm like, yeah, mm, medical yeah. industrial complex, right? Like, like anything else. And one of the things that they did, they left that conference with this list of values, these value statements. And and they aligned so well, I think, Maria pointed out that they aligned really well with the Beyond Do No Harm Network's principles. And so they included the following. I pulled these. Um, number one, we look towards a future that prioritizes collective care over individualized exploitation. Two, we honor expertise and undermine professionalism. Three, we believe that all humans should have access to knowledge of their bodies unmediated by the hands of state and capital. Four, we work towards a future wherein all human and planetary life has intrinsic and non-exchangeable value, where we are able to live and die on our own terms. And last, uh, we look to deconstruct the lines separating patient and provider and hope to collaborate on truly shifting the way power flows in these systems. And so, I, you know, I, I just really liked that that list. I think it's a great list of values. It speaks to what you talked about around how the paramount concern of the healthcare system should be providing the care that people need. Yeah. Um, and in sort of why this abolitionist work, this kind of abolitionist work, I think is, is so critically important. Um, and I'm glad this organization is engaged in it. Yeah, and I think, you know, this abolitionist work is so important, is what you just said, and I think it's. I'm glad you're listening. Yeah, important <laughs> because this is a model of creating something new out of what exists. Yes, and I think that is 
it's easier for people to understand this in some ways than it is to say, oh, yeah, I'm a prison abolitionist and we need to get rid of prisons. Because what people jump to then is the the worst case scenarios pop up into their head because we are so fear-based in our culture. Yes. And we're conditioned to be so. Yes. And this, people can understand this because it understanding how we can abolish the healthcare system as it exists currently, mm-hmm. people know that that doesn't mean doctors are going away. Right. And so there's ways that people can imagine something else, I think. I think so too. Um, I think that's a great point. I think, yeah. And I hadn't thought about that until right yeah. now, which is why it took me a little second to get going there. But no, I, love I it. think, I think it's, it's, this is maybe a more accessible, accessible like entry tangible. point for people yes. to think about how, uh, things like abolition and reimagining systems to be need-based and wellness-based uh, is so important. Right. Uh, and for us and yeah. in, in in service of us, all of us, the collective right. versus, us, right? Yes. Harmful. You know, and Versus right. uh, an insurance company or whatever other profit center we, we need to continue to feed so it continues to grow. Yeah. Don't get me started on insurance companies. Ooh, you know, you yeah, know, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's let's shift here, talk about application. Okay. Uh, how does this apply to our day-to-day lives? I think there's lots of ways Absolutely. that it applies. My application for this week are some of the actual principles from the Beyond Do No Harm Network. Oh, good. So I p- pulled the first seven. Uh, there are 13. I could have listed all 13, but I, I encourage folks to go check those out. Yeah. Uh, so here... Are the first seven okay number one end police and ice presence in hospitals and in or near healthcare facilities yes two end information gathering and documentation that is not directly relevant or related to the person's course of care mm-hmm. three in screening and testing without explicit and informed consent four end the practice of calling police on suspicion of fraudulent identification documents Five, stop calling police on people with unmet mental health or medical needs. Mm. Six, stop calling police on people in possession of distributing or using drugs. And seven, end mandated reporting. Yeah. Wow. And I think these are great. Yes. Because it's taking a critical look at the ways that healthcare works with law enforcement and it's finding a new way. Yes. And especially when you think about stuff like... Stop calling police uh, on people in possession of or distributing or using drugs, especially as we consider that that is likely tied to a healthcare need. Mm. And it's not tied to uh, an insidious criminal intent that the police and the prison system is going to fix. Yes. Right. Or stop calling people, uh, stop calling police on suspicion of fraudulent identification documents. Just don't file it. Yeah. Like look into it. I think there right. are other ways that you can then solve it. And I know that that healthcare workers, people are overtaxed. Yep. And this is an extra step for them. And I I I get that. And yep. you know, what's the what's the potential harm that's gonna right. be caused from calling the police on somebody because of suspicion of this versus saying, Hey, this doesn't these things don't check out. Right. And I can't file this. Yeah. 
So th- things to think about, right? Yeah. But I think that this is a model potentially for other professions to consider. Hmm. How do other professions find ways to disconnect from the criminal punishment system in their own processes, in their own work, yeah. in ways that they are currently intrinsically connected? And I think that there are all kinds of professions that could probably look with a critical eye at their practices to be like, oh, we don't have to do it this right. way. We don't have to like see the police as the end all be all of the problems that we think are too much for us. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it, this is a this is a great starting point for yeah, other professions to really Absolutely. consider what what their norms are, what their policies are uh, and how to change it away from those the tentacles uh, of the criminal punishment system. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. I'm glad you pulled some of the principles. And you just talked about how um, for some people, sort of healthcare, justice, abolition, this work might be more accessible to folks. Yeah. I think anyone can see the first principle you listed. I'm glad you talked about some of them. The first one you listed was end police and ICE presence in hospitals and in or near healthcare facilities. Like, mm-hmm. I think it can, it's, it's, Feasible that people can understand why we don't want police and ICE at hospitals and at healthcare yeah. facilities. Like that right there, that the sight of that alone will um, deter people who may need life <laughs> care that are that are that are in dire need of healthcare from going to that facility and seeking mm-hmm. that help or yeah. getting help and then immediately being you know thrown away into the system, chewed up and spit out by the system. So, yeah, I think. So I think those those are great, and I think that um, I just wanted to make that connection to the point that you made about how this might be accessible to folks. And I love your application and your thought that this might be applicable to other professions. I think that's a great thought. Um, so A plus application. Thank you today. We took a week off, but you came I'll, back strong. I'll put that down on my report card. Please do, yeah. please do. So yeah, I I love these principles. Um, I think they're a great way to analyze and address the ways in which the healthcare system may be failing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my application, though, I think comes from a particular line in the piece, which was this, quote, we need to continue strategizing across funds and movements, anticipating and planning for future challenges in cross-movement spaces. And that statement, and I think really call to action, is so important because Maria Thomas points out in the piece, this work is difficult. And it can be dangerous for the folks who are engaged in it. She references the Stop Cop City movement and the violence that the state has engaged in with those organizers. And we've talked about the Stop Cop City movement a few times here. And how violent, she also talks about how violence and retaliation is happening to the folks engaged in healthcare justice work. Um, And so her call to action here and the application, I think, is a reminder that we're stronger together in this work. And organizers have to think about the ways in which their work is connected and find ways to use that, I think, to their benefit. And certainly in the pursuit of true justice and, and, and collective mm-hmm. liberation. Like what are, the, what are the lessons learned in the other sort of um, arms of abolitionist organizing and work? What are the ways that we're stronger together? Like how can we benefit one another? How can we do this work together? It's all connected because we're connected beings. We're all, we're, yeah. we're, we're connected in these systems. We have one planet that we're all connected to. I, I appreciated her sort of naming that and, and um, leaving us with that that call to action, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we're interdependent 
Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk a plus again. <laughs> let's talk about homework. Yes. Uh, what are we gonna do to continue to learn about this beyond our conversation today? Okay. Uh, so there is a publication of the thirteen principles that goes into detail about each principle. So I think diving deeper into these would be some great homework to learn more about this, and also a way to look at how the process maybe how the process worked if you yes. talk about that and how then that process could be replicated to other professions Ooh, and yeah. getting people together to talk about how they can change the way that their professions do work and move away from criminal punishment system style things that they yes. might do yes i love that i think that's essential homework to do for sure I also think that could be another episode for us right because oh, I, yeah. I very much so appreciated this piece a lot and i um uh, respect um, and appreciate your connection to how this might be applicable to other um, things. professions. Yeah. Professions. <laughs> That's the word. I don't know why I couldn't find it. So that could be great work that we do here together. So I uh, love that homework. Um, I also just want to do some homework to learn more about the Beyond Do No Harm network in general. Yeah. And so, uh, and Maria mentions some of these uh, organizations It's made up of members like Sister Song, the Movement for Family Power, the End Police Violence Collective, the Abortion Care Network, Healing Histories Project, uh, Physicians for Reproductive Health, and, 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 and many more. Um, and all of these organizations are engaged in this work and make up this collective network. Um, and so I think the network has been doing some incredibly important work and I want to sort of look into it, explore it some more, see what else we might be able to learn from it. Um, and, you know, again, I'll co-sign your homework of the reading through the 13 principles and, and learning more from them as well. So, yeah, yeah the, I think any more we can do to learn about this network and its work uh, is good homework. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's it for this week. All right. Um, and the Beyond Do No Harm Network. A lot still to learn. Yes. Um, but you're up next time, Damien. Um, so what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Absolutely. So I'm going to bring a piece from Inquest to the table for us for our next episode. And I couldn't quite remember if I've brought a piece from Inquest before. Maybe I've just considered it and talked to you about it. But Inquest is an online publication and form uh, whose mission is to advance bold ideas to end mass incarceration in the United States. Okay. Uh, so they've got lots of really cool features and articles on their website, which can be found at inquest.org. So the piece I'm bringing is uh, from September of this year, and it's called Abolition Everywhere. So we're going to continue to talk about abolition. Mm -hmm. uh, it was written by Megan Crouch, who is a writer, a socialist, sociologist, excuse me, an activist, and their work has been featured in a number of publications, um, some that we've read. Uh, and so this piece in particular, Abol Abolition Everywhere, uh, is an exploration of some of the abolitionist organizing that's taking place in Republican-controlled states and regions across the country uh, and the lessons that have been and can be learned from that work. And so I thought it was a sort of a unique context and and, and uh, look into um, abolition work, the abolitionist organizing work that's happening. So I thought yeah, this might be cool to talk about. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to read the piece uh, in depth and talk about it here in our next episode. Nice. Yeah, this looks great. I don't think we haven't read anything from this. Okay. For, I think I've considered bringing some things. So, uh, and it's been just been on my list. And so every now and then I check it. And yeah. today I was like, yes, I'm going to bring something. So yeah. it's finally happening. So the, the sort of 
subtitle of oh yeah of inquest is a decarceral brainstorm which is awesome yes uh, and it says it's a forum for advancing bold decarceral ideas brought to you by the institute to end mass incarceration mm-hmm. so uh looks like a cool publication excited yeah. to to learn more and talk about abolition everywhere from hey. inquest next yes. week yes i thought you might like this uh so good yeah all right cool so with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do here, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share a podcast with the people in your life, follow us on social media, check us out on YouTube, TikTok, sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.